Ah, yes. How cool is that? All right. So we're going to start from Exodus 20 and then get to Proverbs as we go. How cool is this? I just want to... I'm trying, to, I'm trying to believe it's cool anyway. Uh, well, so we've been studying the Ten Commandments and apparently there are ten. And we're getting through to the Fifth Commandment tonight. Honour your father and your mother. And we've been asking questions as we've gone about what does it mean to live the full life that Jesus says that we can live. And we've seen that there's a lot going on in the Ten Commandments. Beneath the Ten Commandments, around the Ten Commandments... So we've looked at many different things already. And tonight, verse 12, the fifth commandment, honour your father and your mother and eat your vegetables so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. So this is the first commandment with a promise that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. In the parallel section in Deuteronomy 5, Honour your father and your mother that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord is giving you. So this is an extremely positive command. Obey this command and you will live. And you'll live really well. How many people hear this and say, Hey, honour my father and mother, piece of cake. But I've met a couple of people in my life one or two, who found it very hard (laughs) to honour their mother and father. They have suffered terribly at the hands of their parents. And so when it comes to honouring their father and their mother, well, some of us would go, fine, I can do that. But for a lot of people, they'd find that very difficult. So tonight, as we go through this, I want to look at if you've been harmed, if you've been abused, if you've been abandoned or neglected by your parents... What does it mean to honour them? And how can we help you with that? Well, first I need to look at a race. I want to tell you about a race. Now, this race happens all the time, and this race happened recently. This race involved 50 million contestants. We're not quite sure how many contestants were involved But the race began with so much passion and so much emotion. And when the gun was shot, the contestants took off 50 million of them seeking the prize. Now you ask my brother and my sister, what was the reward? What was the prize? You don't know where I'm going with this, do you? (laughs) The reward was not a large sum of money, a large check for the first place winner. The reward was not fame or prestige. The reward was not the acclamation of your peers. The reward of this race was an egg. 50 million contestants all giving everything to get towards the egg. The egg was the prize that they were pushing and shoving to get to. Now many contestants of course dropped out right at the beginning But others, with great perseverance, kept going and kept going and kept going. And I'm here tonight to tell you, and Sarah's already laughing, you won! You won the race! A couple of things you can't say about yourself. Number one, I never win anything. Just not true. 
Number one, I'm not very, number two, I'm not very lucky. Number three, I'm not very fast, simply not true. And number four would be, I've never been a really good swimmer. (laughs) Now, there is a, a profound mystery to the creation of a human being. Out of all those 50 million little guys, you won. And it's almost like the more we understand how this miracle of birth happens, the more we have questions and questions and questions. And the more we try to get our arms around the reality of, I was born, the more we just simply find it inexplicable. It is such a wonder. So if you're struggling with your parents, and you're trying to deal with the wounds that they have given you, you need to begin with a miracle of your own existence. There are many people who never do this and they try to be free and they try to somehow heal from the past and move on from what has happened. But they never really come to the the wonder of that simple fact that I'm here. How many of you are here tonight? Yeah, some of you are looking around thinking, what does he mean, what does he mean? It's a straightforward question, isn't it? Ah, do you exist? See, many people try to deal with their issues with their parents without reflecting on the question, am I grateful to be alive? And until we kind of arrive at that sense of real awe and gratefulness about our own existence, we will always struggle to heal from whatever our parents have done. Maybe we could say it this way, know them, know you. Know them, know you. God used your parents, whatever unkindness there was, however they let you down, regardless of any evil, and it was evil, if it was evil, but regardless, God used them to bring you into existence and he gave them the authority and the responsibility to raise you. And whatever harm they did, God used them to make you the person that you are today in all your wonder, in all the magnificence of what God has given you in your life. So next slide, God sometimes uses flawed, abusive people to do supernatural things. The bottom line is you're a miracle. You really are. We all are. And our life is an incredible gift through our parents. And we can't begin to understand everything about that. All we know is your life, the life you've been given, the life you actually have, is just this precious, miraculous thing that came through your parents. You're alive. Another idea here would be, next slide, until we're grateful for the life we've been given, we will never heal from our parents. We will never heal. Until I can say, wow, when I look in the mirror and see myself, not that I would actually do that, uh, until I can go, wow, I'm, I'm alive, then we will ne- never reach the place where we're free. So the first step is to realise that our existence is supernatural. We come from God through our parents. He chose to use them. And the fact is, you were here. Say to the person beside you, check it out, I'm alive. 
<laughs> I just wanted to. S- <laughs> I just wanted to see whether you'd do that, and you did. <laughs> so that's the beginning. That's that's the beginning. Know them, know you. Okay, let's now turn to the book of Proverbs and ask, what then, given that our life comes from our parents, given that their authority to raise us comes from God, that he, he is the one who has given us this wonderful life through them, how then do we honour them? Well, the book of Proverbs is an incredible source. It's really spelling out the fifth commandment. It's the instruction of a father to his son, essentially. And we can learn from it. And the fifth commandment really is just lurking in the background of nearly all the the Proverbs. So let's take a look. Number one, Proverbs 1, 8. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. So this is key to understanding what honoring our parents involves. It involves essentially listening to and then following their wisdom. And there's a link here to the fifth commandment because a motivation is given. It says the principles we learn from our mum and dad and then live out, these principles we get from our parents will enhance our attractiveness to people. They are a garland to grace our head and a chain to adorn our neck. So a garland and a chain around our neck, these are adornments. Uh, They're attractive. This is a garland garland of flowers in this case and next slide a mother placing a garland on her daughter's head so if we're able to learn wisdom from our parents whatever wisdom they can pass on now in this context of course they're passing on or they're trying to pass on the commands of God this is Israel but even if our parents are not passing on the commands of God whatever wisdom they are passing on if we can live that wisdom, if we can take that on board, if we can take that seriously, we're really honouring them and it will make us attractive people. And more than that, the garland and the necklace are symbols of honour. Not just, they're not just attractive. It's like in the Olympic Games, the wreath and the medal. So the, the chain and the, the wreath are symbols of honour. You won. So it's interesting. We'll see this again and again. How we treat our parents will come back on us. So if we live honouring our parents, following how they've taught us to live, understanding their wisdom and living it out, then we will be honoured in turn by others. The honour that we give to our parents will come back to us. Their teaching will be like a garland on our head or a chain of victory around our neck. Then notice verse 9 says, do not forsake them, which means we're going to be tempted, aren't we, to forsake our parents' teaching, our parents' wisdom. I mean, that's the reality that we're in, isn't it? There are many other voices outside of our parents. So actually, verse 10 says, my son, if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. If they say, let's wag school or come along with us, let's lie and wait for innocent blood, let's ambush some harmless soul and let's do some crazy destructive stuff verse 15 my son do not go along with them and do not set foot on their paths don't even begin down that road for their feet rush into evil and they are swift to shed blood and then it goes on to say verse 18 these men lie in wait for their own blood 
They ambush only themselves. Such are the paths of all who go for ill-gotten gain. It takes away, and what does it say? The life of all who get this ill-gotten gain. So following our parents' wisdom leads to life. The fifth commandment, we will have life. But to reject that wisdom and to follow other voices which are wrong, that would lead to recklessness, violence, immorality, rebellion against authority, which in turn leads to a loss of life. So it's interesting. What it's saying here is rejecting our parents and their wisdom leads to immorality and brokenness, which leads to loss of life. So it's, it's, it's life or death here. Somehow failing to honour the parents who gave us life in the first place, who God has put in authority over us, to dishonour that primary relationship that we have with our parents leads to all kinds of brokenness. It will lead us to dishonour other people in other relationships, which is essentially what immorality is and brokenness is, where we no longer are honouring others and respecting others. So going into all kinds of things. So isn't this interesting? I mean, the fifth commandment is the fifth commandment. It's, it's the top of the second half of the commandments. So the first four commandments are our relationship with God. But the second six are about our relationship with each other. And the fifth commandment is the top of those. So to dishonor your father and mother leads to all these other commandments being broken. I think that's why it's at the top. It's the crucial one. If you stay in right relationship with your mother and father, it will lead to right relationships with all others in your life. That's why the fifth commandment is the fifth commandment. Just a thought. Let's keep moving. Chapter 4. Listen, my sons, to your father's instruction and pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound teaching, so do not forsake my teaching. And look at what he says. For I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. And then he taught me, this guy's father taught him, and said to him, take hold of my words with all your heart, keep my commandments and you will live. So what he learned from his father, he's now passing on to his son. Again, you see the fifth commandment, do this and you will live. Keep my commandments and you will live. Chapter 6. My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart. Fasten them around your neck. So key to honouring our parents is learning from them. (laughs) This is really central in the Bible. It's about really taking on board their wisdom. It doesn't matter how old you are. You still have parents. And so our role, our responsibility as children of our parents, even if our parents are no longer with us, is that we would respect them by living out the wisdom that they passed on to us. Chapter 10, verse 1, A wise son brings joy to his father. So if we are wise, that's where we honour them. But a foolish son brings grief to his mother. In chapter 10, verse 5, He who gathers crops in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. So really the main way we honour our parents is to live wise and upright lives, to live honourable lives. That will reflect well on them. I mean, if you ask your parents, 
how could I really honour you? Chances are they would say, hey, I want you to live the wisdom that I have passed on to you and I want you to take that wisdom and really go with it and really make something of your life. And it's your life, it's your honourable life which will most honour me. But if you are immoral, foolish and lazy, it says here, you will bring disgrace to your parents. Now turn with me to Proverbs 12. The assumption of many of these Proverbs is that you'll be living in the kind of relationship with your parents that they can teach you and correct you. And we won't, when they do, we won't freak out and fly off the handle and blow our top, but we'll actually listen to what they say. The idea is that we will be the kinds of children who our parents can approach and say, you know what, I've observed this about you. And, and we are the kinds of people who are able to say, hey, tell me about that. Tell me my faults. I want to learn. And we not only welcome it, we crave it. We want. We want our parents. This is wisdom, isn't it? We want our parents to teach us and to show us our faults and to correct us. Please tell me where I'm off so I can learn. Am I becoming more and more the kind of person who my parents and others can speak about my faults? And I'll welcome that, I'll make that easy for them, I will listen and I'll actually look for it. And then I'll make use of it. Notice Proverbs 12, there's a couple of subtle calming words (laughs) that this has for those who will not listen to correction. 12.1, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. This is so strong. If you hate correction that comes from other people, you're, you're stupid. Verse 15, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. So it says, you want to know what a fool is? A fool is someone who insists on forging ahead by themselves on their own and doesn't listen to the voices of those who are wiser. That's a fool. But to be wise is to say, really? You've got some correction I want to hear that. I want to learn from that. Now turn to 13 verse 10. Chapter 13 verse 10. Where there is strife. Notice the couplet that is linked together here. Where there is strife, there is pride. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. You want to to show me someone wise? It's somebody who will take advice. Hey, wow, what a definition of wisdom. You are a person. You will take advice advice the flip side of that is you are foolish and you are proud notice now 15 verse 10 stern discipline awaits anyone who leaves the path the one who hates correction will die if you don't want people to speak into your life if you don't want your parents to guide you if you don't want to listen to the wisdom of those who love you the most and probably know you the most then what you will do is you will die. Again, the fifth commandment. One path leads to life, the other path leads away from life. Then verse 32, those who disregard discipline despise themselves, but the one who heeds correction gains understanding. So the lie we get into is my father comes to me and says, listen, I care enough about you to tell you about this stuff. I've noticed this about you and I want to talk about it. The lie is to think, I hate you, get out of my face, you have no right. Whatever it is that we think. You know, you're judgmental, you're out of touch as a parent. Get lost. Uh, But Proverbs says, no, no, no. The person who says, 
get lost to their parent, the person who says, I hate you, and, and allows themselves to harden in that hatred and contempt towards their parent, the person who says to their parent, you have no right to correct me, who does that person hate? Themselves. Thanks, Leanne. <laughs> you hate your parents, you show contempt for your parents. Who do you have contempt for? Yourself. You reject them, you reject yourself. They gave you life, you reject them. They've been placing authority over you, you reject them, you're rejecting yourself. So the flip side of this proverb is that those who are serious about taking care of themselves and finding true life and living long in the land and prospering, they are the kinds of people who proactively say, Dad, help me out here. Mom, I need some help. Please can you tell me what to do here? I need help to change. When was the last time you said that to your mum or dad? Again, we're not just talking about kids here. We're talking about 50-year-old kids who have 70-year-old mums and dads, 80-year-old mums and dads. When was the last time you went to them for advice? What do you notice, Dad, about me that you could help me with? Where am I destructive? What are those habits that have stayed in me now for all these decades that you can see because you have that unique perspective on my life? Dad, I want to be the healthiest person that I can be. Uh, can you help me out? You've got some unique things that no one else could say to me. Can you please tell me? Mum, you've seen me from, from nappies on. You know everything about me. You knew me in your womb. You've got a, a unique perspective. I want to learn from you even now when you're in your 80s. This is the kind of person the fifth commandment is teaching us to be. Sure, Mum, sure, Dad, fire away. <laughs> I want to learn from you. Because I want to be a better person. I want to be wise. The fifth commandment is calling us to be the kinds of people who actually listen to our parents and then heed their advice and live it out. Well, 23, 22, listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Wisdom, instruction and insight as well. He's saying, really buy into the advice that they're giving you. Really go for it. Take it seriously so that you can grow in righteousness and then the father of a righteous child has great joy. A man who, fa- uh, who fathers a wise son rejoices in him. May your father and mother rejoice. May she who gave you birth be joyful. Why? Because you are righteous. You are wise. You have heeded advice. You have grown. So life begins at home. So does wisdom. Just to finish off with that (laughs) quote that we read earlier that Tom read. The eye that mocks a father that scorns an aged mother will be pecked out by the ravens of the valley (laughs) and will be eaten by the vultures. Hmm... So this is serious stuff. Choose life or choose death. Remember what Moses said at the end of Deuteronomy? Choose life or choose death. Okay, now turn back to Exodus 20 and we'll start kind of seeing a different dimension here. I want to show you what is so brilliant about this. And there's something else going on here that we ought to really get excited about that's brilliant. And isn't God brilliant? Uh, <laughs> And isn't it amazing that the more we study the Bible, the more different dimensions open up and open up. And It's just amazing how many holes and, and routes that we can go down. Um, 
This, this really is about the whole fabric of how a whole culture holds together. This is what it's really about, how a whole culture holds together. Honour your father and mother so that you may live long. And then what does it say? In the land. So ultimately the reason to honour our father and mother is that these slaves are going to be, inherit a land. They are going to become a nation in a land, which means they're going to have to live together as a community. They are starting a new culture so for many years to come, how will they remain free in the land? How will the commands of God stay in that community? Generation after generation after generation. What is being said here? God's wisdom, his commandments, his commandments that bring life. They're going to be passed on from generation to generation to generation. Parents are going to teach their children and their children are going to teach their children, and their children are going to teach their children down the line. So it's important that each successive generation receives what their parents teach them. That every successive generation honours what is given. For this whole thing to work called Israel in the land, honouring father and mother is absolutely crucial. That's why it's in the Ten Commandments. But if each successive generation doesn't honour the previous generation and pass on the teaching, then God's commands that bring life will fade in that culture. And pretty soon the whole culture will fall apart because this person rebels against his father and this person hates his mother. And then what happens? They become the kind of father and mother who their kids will hate in turn and show contempt for. And then what happens? Well, their kids will have their own kids who will again show contempt for their parents and on down the line. And then what happens? The whole culture, I mean, those of you who have spent time in urban settings, you've seen in vivid detail cycles of poverty, cycles of crime, cycles of unwanted pregnancies, just building and building and building until the whole culture starts to unravel. And all over the world, in all sorts of cultures, we have rebelliousness being handed down from generation to generation to generation. And with that rebelliousness, immorality, recklessness, violence, disrespect of other kinds of authority and a breakdown in that culture. His dad was in prison. He ends up in prison. His kid never knew a dad, so he resorts to a life of crime like his father and eventually he ends up in prison. How many of you have observed a family and somewhere some up the family tree, someone got really off track and really rebelled? And then you look at the next generation and you're watching everything they do and you go, wow, my goodness, they're doing the same thing that that, gen that other guy did who was their grandparent. And the same story is there a generation later and an another generation later. And even if they hate that thing, they end up doing that very thing themselves. Why is this? Well, this is how cultures work. Things get passed on from generation to generation to generation, whether honour or whether rebellion. And so God, being God, <laughs> realises what this really means. This really means the whole culture needs to hold together 
And the whole culture needs to be a culture of honor, of wisdom, of honor of those who are older, of the honor of elders, and of the honor of God through that. It's about generations remaining free. So the question that I've got to ask myself is, what am I passing on to the next generation? Maybe you're here tonight, you're 16 and you hate your parents. I'm sure that's not true. Uh, But just for example, uh, maybe you're 16 and you hate your parents and you're like, I just hate my parents. They're horrible. How are you not going to become the mum or the dad who your 16-year-old is going to hate when you have kids? How are you not going to pass on the dishonor and the hatred and the contempt for wisdom and for elders? You take a rebellious, stubborn young girl who's just filled with contempt for her mum and dad. How is she not? How are you not going to become the kind of mum who your daughter will hate or your son will hate? The beauty of this command is that it forces us to ask, how do we function as a community, and that includes our church, that is successfully passing on honour from generation to generation so that we stay free, that we stay in the commands that bring life and do not lose them. Turn with me now, and we'll end here, to Ephesians 6. Wait till you see this. This is amazing. Ephesians 6, it's on the screen. Verse 2, Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy life on the earth. So here Paul quotes the fifth commandment and says, the promise doesn't just apply to Israel in the land. It's also a general command to us who are not in the land. It applies that we will have a rich and full and good life if we follow this commandment. Then it goes on, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. This is saying in the same way that Israel was to pass on the commands of God from generation to generation to generation, we too in the church... Through Jesus Christ in the power of the Spirit now, in the power of his death and resurrection for us, we too are to pass on from generation to generation to generation the training and instruction of the Lord. And that is how we will stay free. Okay, fathers, and perhaps mothers here too, if you have guts of steel and you really want to find out whether you are provoking your child to anger? Are you provoking rebellion from your child? So this is the other side of the coin, I guess. Are you exasperating your son or daughter? I I, I reckon sit down with them and ask them this simple question, do I exasperate you? They're then going to go and get a dictionary to ask, what does that mean? (laughs) Do I... Do I exasperate you? Do I provoke you to anger and deep frustration? That is, if your kids can be honest with you. If, if your kids can't be honest with you, you've got a whole different level of problem. So you're going to have to work deeply on that. But if, if your kids can give you an honest answer, why not sit down with them and ask, are there ways that I really frustrate you? Oh, I need some more allowance. Not that kind of thing. <laughs> No, this is something more serious. Are there ways that I, as a parent, am crushing your spirit? Am I sucking the life out of your bones as my son and daughter? 
Do you rage within because of how I am behaving? Because it matters that the next generation can respect us as parents, that we pass the honour down, that the honour of our culture keeps going down through the line. Okay, let's wrap this up. Maybe you're in high school and you're thinking, okay, I get it, I've got to honour my parents. But the issue is not just how we respond to our parents. The issue is one day we will be them. One day it will be our turn. One day we will have children and they will look at us. And what will they see? It's the idea you're 13 and maybe your parents just drive you crazy. But what about when you're 32 or 51 or 45? How will you not become the exasperating parent that you feel your parents are? How do we not pass dishonour down the line? Because one day we will be them. And if you've been harmed and hurt by your parents, this is saying to you, you can make a choice to not continue the dishonour down the line. You can actually say, I will honour my parents regardless of what they have done to you. That is, I will take the good that they have given me seriously. I will listen to their wisdom and I will do my best to live it out. And I will bring honour to them in the way that I live. Even if they are not good parents or they've done something that's very hard and forgiveness will be part of that and there'll be, there's a whole range of issues there. But the important thing of that is what are you passing on to the next generation? Are you going to break the cycle and begin a new path of honour? There was a family of three people that lived in the same house. There was a boy, he was eight or nine or perhaps ten. And that boy had a dad who was in his early 40s and then there was a grandfather who was in his early 70s. And the three of them used to eat dinner together every night. They'd make a meal together, they'd eat at a table together, they would clean up together. Night after night, three generations eating a meal together. Over time, the grandfather, the dad's dad, his health starts to deteriorate. And the boy and the father notice that one night at dinner, that as they're sitting there at the dinner table with their wooden bowls in front of them, their soup, the grandfather's hand starts shaking. And then a couple nights later, he's shaking and he spills a little bit off his spoon of his soup and it lands on the table. And the father looks at the boy and rolls his eyes. And he goes over and he gets a towel, he comes back and he cleans up the mess. A couple of weeks later they're eating and the grandfather gets the spoon to his mouth but can't get it in his mouth and it all spills down his mouth and there's some drool and it spills onto his shirt. And the father looks at this, rolls his eyes, gets up, goes over, gets the towel, cleans up, gets his dad a new shirt wipes the drool from his face, wipes the food from his face. A couple of weeks later, the grandfather, now he's taking a long time to eat. And his hand is shaking so much that he's just so embarrassed that he tries to move his bowl into the right place and he knocks the bowl off the table, 
food everywhere on the floor. And the dad blows his stack. He says, for months now, it has just not been working. It's like every meal, what I do, Dad, is I'm cleaning up your mess and I'm going back and forth to the sink to get a towel and I'm doing more laundry because you keep getting on your clothes. Enough! I'm tired of you. From now on, we're going to make three bowls of soup and you're going to take it to your room and you're going to eat by yourself in your room. So the next night, they make three bowls and they take it in and the grandfather eats in his room by himself. And the grandson and the son, they finally have peace. They can sit together at the table. Just two bowls. No spills, no stains, no clean-up, no laundry, no towels to wash. A couple of days later, the dad comes and sees the boy. And the boy is whittling. He's got his Swiss, farm, Swiss army knife and he's there whittling this massive chunk of wood that he's got. And he's like just whittling away and... He's carving this thing and then his father realises that he's actually chopped down this big tree. He's got this massive big lump of wood and he's been working on this thing for a long time. So his father goes away and comes back a couple of hours later and the boy is still with a Swiss army knife whittling and whittling and whittling. And the father goes away and comes back another time and he's still there working on this huge chunk of wood. And the father thinks, this is strange. And he says to the boy, look, it's time to go to bed but... What are you doing? What are you carving with your Swiss army knife out of this big chunk of wood? And the boy says, I've been making you a wooden bowl for when I take you food in your room. So the issue here with honouring our parents, it's not just between us and our parents, is it? For the next generation is watching. And what we are going to pass on to the next generation is the big issue. You may be here tonight and you're not honouring your parents. And it's crucial that you do. It's crucial because dishonour of parents will lead to all kinds of disrespect in all kinds of other relationships in your life. And then... It will spill over into your relationship with your own children because they are watching. Pauline's going to come and pray.